Internet Source, your home for hello there, freak beaches. I'm Nathan, your most shock jock host. Toilet sound effect. Nice. I'm Andy, your news radio host. And I'm Pat, your UFC commentator host. Pow, pow. (laughs) Punch him. Punch him real good. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) we are talking about some stuff today, but why don't we go ahead and uh, say uh, how was our week, or I guess our couple of weeks. Uh, We've been... I I feel like I want to bring up the fact that we have not been great at getting out (laughs) regular podcasts lately, and we plan on fixing that just like everybody's life has been a little bit busy, a little bit crazy lately, so... Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Uh, yeah. You can expect to get podcasts from us at least every other week. Hell yeah. For, for uh, I guess, whatever it's worth, like, this is being recorded February 20th, 2022, for the record. <laughs> I feel like every time we say something like that, we're just setting ourselves up for when this undoubtedly comes out mid-May. Yeah, can we <laughs> absolutely not do that? I, yeah. Right. We, like... We have an episode in the can that we decided to record a couple weeks after we evacuated from Afghanistan that we still haven't put out. So it's a good episode, and you guys will be hearing it soon, but it definitely doesn't, like, (laughs) coincide with, like, anything, like, currently that's going on. So, (laughs) but anyway, uh... Sorry about that. How was your guys' weeks? Good. I've been busy with the new job. Um, but I think I'm finally getting the hang of the swing of things. It's like very demanding the, uh, workload that they put on. It was like a very quick ramp up, but, um, I think I'm getting a hang of the, uh, like efficiency and speed moving through cases now. So, so doing a lot better with that. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, it's my mom's birthday this week. Tomorrow, actually. Nice. Happy birthday, Pat's oh, mom. And if I could request on behalf of the listeners uh, an update, on our last episode, you talked about how you were going to go up and fly in a plane. Yes. How could I forget? Yeah, no, that was amazing. So um, my stepbrother took me up into a plane. He is a um, He is a flight instructor. That's what he does professionally. And so we went up in a little prop plane, and he showed me a bunch of stuff about the plane, which I probably immediately forgot all of the stuff that he taught me about, like, the fuselage and, like, how all the parts work and all this stuff. Um, But it was was an amazing experience. It was a cold day, and, like, there was a lot of snow on the ground, but um, the city was beautiful from up in the sky. And uh, he let me take over the controls a little bit, which made me very nervous. Um... I get motion sick, and uh, so, like, it wasn't uh, just, like, dipping down, which I thought was what was going to give me um, motion sickness. It was also, like, leveling off. Like, we were ascending and then, like, leveled up. I was actually the one in control of it at that point, and, um, like, the G's from uh, going from, like, ascending to leveling off... Uh, made my stomach like fly up into uh, my <laughs> chest a little bit, oh, which is like goodness. that feeling of roller coaster mm-hmm. feeling that I I don't really like very much. But um, yeah, it was it was incredible, and like he let me fly around 
for a good portion of it um, until I was like, okay, now you can take over again because I don't want to. <laughs> well, I think I the real question is up. here: Did he let you land? No, no. I mean, that is the most <laughs> skill-intensive part, and uh, I was even nervous when he was doing it. Um, but he's he's obviously a very experienced and and good pilot. But um, yeah, no. I mean, that is the most technically demanding and i i don't think that even people who are training to be pilots do that their first time up it's like it's like birds you just gotta throw them out of the nest and like sure maybe you get a pretty significant death rate but (laughs) the pilots who are able to land by themselves their first time out they are the strongest pilots you can have i think you want that death rate to be zero but um yeah it was an amazing uh christmas gift and like it was an awesome experience. That's awesome. Cool. Oh, and Andy, you were talking about how uh, you and Caitlin were going out of town to uh, the Beach Boys place, Aruba, Jamaica. Who I want to take you? Who I want to yeah, take Yeah, Aruba, that's the one. Um, yeah, we went to Aruba. We went um, for eight nights, nine days to the Happy Island of Aruba. And in the dead of winter they, in Cleveland, like literally the coldest so, it's been was the week we were gone. Nathan was gracious enough to both drop us off and pick us up from the airport in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. So he got to witness our, um, this. It, it could and not in have fact, been. He's the one who drove through it. You guys could not have had any more of a difference in what you left and what you arrived at. Because mm-hmm. when I picked you up, I picked you up at what four in the morning, yeah, something like that. And uh, it the four in the morning that your plane decided to still go out on was one of the biggest snowstorms we've had in a long time. And so, like the whole time, it's probably like a half an hour drive. It probably took us close to an hour to get the airport, and like we were passing people who had just, like, driven off into ditches and stuff the whole way there. It was, or just, like, uh, pulled over and just, like, gave up. Like, I'm not yeah, going to Yeah, just gave it. up. <laughs> Got it stuck, was, yeah. It was not good. I, I don't mind driving in the snow, so you, you picked a good person to drive you there. Because, like, if you had been anybody else, I would have been like, uh, go fuck yourself. I'm going to go back to bed now. Um, I gotta say, but, that's a very dedicated friend. You know, Indeed, well, and, and I, I will say they 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 were very gracious and offered uh, offered to pay me for it, but you know. And then you you they you guys actually on your way back, uh, stealth paid me. I just found yeah. like I was trying to pick up my coat off the passenger seat, and like a, a large bill of money <laughs> that I will not say exactly what it was sort of fell down. I was like, hmm, that must be Sarah's. Wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, I did stealth pay you because I knew you wouldn't accept it. <laughs> I I don't mean to tell your story for you, but what I loved is when I picked you up, uh, so I dropped you off as early in the morning as I possibly could and picked you up as late at night as I possibly could from the <laughs> airport. And when you arrived with wind chill, it was negative nine degrees here in Cleveland. Yeah. And you had just left, when you left Aruba, it was like, 84 degrees or something? Yeah. Well, like a 90 plus degree swing from one place to the other. Yeah. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was not what I wanted. Um, but you know what I did want was the sun and the beach and, uh, 
Like, it was absolutely fantastic and magical. And, um, every single day was so consistent. It was so, I like consistent. That's a, I like that. Every day, like, the sun rose at about 7, and the high would be about 83, 84, 85, and the sun would set at around 7, 7.30, and then the low would be, like, 75, 76. Beautiful. Every day. That's it. Is uh, Like, sunny skies, every couple of weeks they'd get, like, 20 minutes, half an hour of rain. It's... It, and you guys it, were like was, right on the beach. You were like right on the beach. Yeah, so we we splurged a little bit for the honeymoon. And we got a good rate and everything. Uh, actually, it was it was remarkably affordable. I highly recommend it to everyone. But like we went all we went all in. We did it all inclusive. We got a little beachfront uh, spot. It was fantastic. I think uh, going back, you know. We plan to go back and explore more of the island, but for that one, we pretty much just enjoyed our beachfront the whole time and the pools. Hmm. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I read, I read a whole book, Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. I read, hey. um, I read, <laughs> I loser me, I read, um. Simone de Beauvoir's uh, Ethics of Ambiguity <laughs> on my honeymoon. <laughs> there like you go. Nothing wrong with that. So, whatever. I en- I enjoyed it. It was a great read, and uh, I think it really helped <laughs> having the, like, pleasant sun and uh, the t- all the time I needed to be able to take my time with it, because, ooh, it's a... It's a book. I was going to say, if you wanted to, like, really just do a product placement thing, like, I finished Larry Hancock's Unidentified. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will make mine super quick, um, but our dishwasher <laughs> over the last few weeks had just been slowly getting dirtier and dirtier. <laughs> like, it stopped cleaning well, and then it would clean the stuff on the bottom rack, but not the top rack, which, like, how does that work? And then the electronics like stopped working on a regular basis unless I put in this very specific code. So I've never installed a dishwasher before, but I didn't want to pay somebody like $200 to install a $500 dishwasher. So uh, we went and we bought a an open box dishwasher from Best Buy. So it still has the same warranty and everything like that, but somebody had returned it. Um, and I found out the reason for it. They had like accidentally broken off one of the legs to the dishwasher that screws in on the bottom. And so I was just able to take some needle nose pliers and like undo it. So like I know exactly why they returned it and I fixed it within like two minutes or what it's something. So, nice. uh, awesome. but I felt very, I felt very proud of myself, uh, cause every once in a while there'll be a thing. I have no idea how to install a dishwasher, but I also don't want to pay somebody else to do it. So I looked up several different like tutorials on how to do it and it wasn't too hard. Like, and it's not like I was installing one out of nowhere. I was just taking an old one out and putting a new one in. So, right. uh, 
a buddy of ours let me borrow his uh sort of his dolly i guess you call it his hand truck mm-hmm. uh to like make it a little bit easier to move around the i don't know what the plural of dishwasher is dishwash eye dish- dishwasher i mean if you guys want to go the boring way about dish- it I guess. dishwash pusses <laughs> dish dishwash pusses yes um it sounds but, dirty like but i feel like i a uh, Sarah was able to help me just like make sure that um, things were balanced. And she had the surgery like a little bit ago, but she's still not supposed to like lift a ton of weight. So she was able to like help out a little bit. And um, but I felt like just a huge sense of accomplishment that I was able to like get it done. And like it's in there. It's solid. We bought it for way less money than we should have been able to. Uh, transported ourselves in the back of our car and uh, installed it ourselves. So it probably cost like almost half of what we were quoted. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. Sarah's starting to feel better and stuff. Abs- absolutely. She, I, I would say she's, I don't know, 80, 90% of where she was. So it's just like lay off the heavy lifting. Little, little bits of fatigue. Uh, the, the thing that happened um, was she had some, um, down her right leg and in her right foot there was some numbness which is pretty common with this sort of injury and it doesn't go away immediately afterwards it takes time so she still has like some pain and some numbness in that foot from time to time but Mm. she'll walk around she's able to get around like she's she's doing everything on her own now it's great awesome could could not be feeling better yeah uh you know who's not feeling better is uh joe rogan unless i guess he did use his immune system to get over covid to be fair even if he is not feeling well he's got 200 million dollars to console <laughs> himself with million dollars so i uh, mean you can't be doing that badly. we're talking about joe talking joe i'm a big fan i'll just go on record as saying like you know i don't listen to the podcast like all the time but I have tuned into a lot of his interviews. I like the guests that he has on. Um, Joe does a good job of being, like, the idiot in the room who will ask the questions that you were afraid to ask because he's mm-hmm. not afraid of looking stupid, um, which is probably the best quality that I can say about him um, because he'll bring, like, brilliant people on to talk about, like, quantum physics and like uh theories of the universe and like hyper geometric spheres and stuff and he'll be like all right slow down i don't can can you explain that again and just like that extra explanation usually helps me get it right it's it's the equivalent of uh in philadelphia when denzel washington says all right explain this to me like i'm a two-year-old okay because there's an element to this thing i just cannot get through my big head like we all need that sometimes we all need somebody to step back and pull their head out of their like explain things in a very sort of basic way that we can all understand Um, yeah so so joe is the five-year-old for for that purpose right well and for what it's worth like it is it is uncomfortable and it takes a certain level of social bravery to be like, I don't understand what you just said, or I don't get that. What do you mean? Like mm-hmm. to step back and, and ask those questions. And I think that's great. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and just to, I, I mean, just to frame some things a little bit, I think, um, Joe Rogan has been doing this podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, basically since podcasting was a thing. He's like one of yeah. the first. Yeah, he's like but basically the founding father of modern podcasting. Basically. Um, right. And, but also, like, so he is an actor and a comedian. He got his start in on news radio in the 90s. He gained some notoriety because he did some hosting some UFC fights, right? Or MMA fights. And he's fights. apparently very, very good um, at it. Like, hosted UFC yeah. fights and in a way that, like, gets people involved in the fights. And he was on Fear Factor. Which, cool. You know, um, Fear Factor, and, he was the host yes. of Fear Factor. Well, and Fear Factor uh, is what led him to get the UFC gig. Okay. And and I'll say, you know, he also did have a decent stand-up career for a long yeah. while. so... His stuff is pretty good. His stuff stuff's up. funny. Yeah. Insensitive, maybe. Uh, we'll get to At that. times. But there are grown men that want to f*** other grown men inside their poop hole. I'm not telling you to stop doing it. You can't tell me Brokeback Mountain was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. But, like... <laughs> So just to like the the stage here, this is not you know he's not a a journalist or a media member in that sense. He is an an actor uh, and a professional goofball, more or less. And just like to put it in perspective, like I've I've never heard him say authoritatively like this thing is true. Like you need to take uh, you know this. I just I guess he does sell supplements, but like. Um, you know, he doesn't claim to be an authority on any of the information that he puts out. He's usually there asking questions and he'll bring the experts on to talk to him. He's even said, like, he's quoted as saying, like, I'm a dummy. Like, don't listen to me. Why would, why would <laughs> well, anybody listen to me? Right. And that's all fair. But also, let's step back for a second. Because that's the second time you've mentioned that, uh, he brings on, uh, experts and geniuses and stuff like that. And, I think you're right, but he certainly doesn't do that exclusively because he brings on, like, a good number of conspiracy theory morons on the show as well. And, well, and part and, of his thing... Uh, part, fighters. You, he has a ton of fighters on his right, show. Right, because of his UFC background and right. comedians, for that matter. He brings on his friends right. is what he does. But mm -hmm. the the thing that he does, which I think in some ways is great, is he brings on people who are pushing conspiracy theories a lot of the way i'm i like i want to be nice about it but like he brings on people who have these alternative points of view is the nicest way you could say it and then gives them room to talk he like one thing he's known for on the show is he shuts up for a long period of time and lets people get their point of view out like lets these people do this but the problem is when he does that he gives them a level of credibility by bringing them on the show hmm. and that that credibility is puts a like uh, puts like a genius physicist on the same level as the guy who says that like vaccines are gene therapy or whatever like people who have no basis in reality but are interesting because they push a different like point of view so let's get specific like joe has been recently in the news um about a lot of musicians leaving Spotify over his 
supposed spreading of vaccine misinformation. He had an interview with Dr. Robert Malone, and uh, this doctor was saying a bunch of stuff about, like, vaccine hesitancy and, like, the effectiveness of the vaccine and, uh, like, the effects that it has on people besides just treating COVID. Can I ask here, uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, or, like, the... The meat and potatoes? Before the, before we get to the, the, the what happened afterwards, like, the setup here I think is interesting. Joe Rogan being on Spotify is relatively new. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, he's, he is basically the original podcaster, but he did it on, uh, just putting, um, episodes up on YouTube. Yep. Not, and, and, and just that right. way. Um, until not that long ago when he got signed by, Spotify. He was like so. Joe Rogan was doing traditional podcasts and then put them up on YouTube and wasn't the one of the first people to do that. And that's what really like kicked him into like superstardom. That's when people really started yeah. listening to his podcast. Like he did it for years with like hundreds of people listening, and right. then like it really like just like jumped up a notch when he went on mm-hmm. YouTube. And then and then from YouTube he went to Spotify with this mega contract and like uh, when was that and and. How much was that for? I don't know the... I mean, I know how much it was for, but I'll let someone else give the deets on that. Yeah, so in May 2020, um, he moved over from YouTube and being uh, broadcast on, like, you know, regular podcast-free networks like iTunes and stuff, um, iHeartRadio, to being exclusively Spotify. And at that point, he signed a contract for $200 million, which, you know... Which just came out like a few days ago, like because for a long time people were thinking it was one, like basically it was undisclosed, but people have been saying it was at least a hundred million dollars, and now it seems pretty credibly he was paid two hundred million dollars, which is which insane. It's a lot of money. It's it was a lot of money when it was one hundred thousand dollars. I think the whole the point is he was paid a buttload to be specific. Whatever I said, but the point is he was paid a buttload to go to a Spotify and be exclusive with Spotify, and that was in May of twenty twenty. So then, recently, much more recently, when did he have Doctor Malone on? Well, let when me. Was that can I can I step in real quick and just say like so? The other thing about this two hundred million dollar deal, which from a certain perspective, is dumb, <laughs> right? Like, Spotify is trying to uh, monetize a thing that people don't pay money for generally. People don't pay money to listen to uh, podcasts. But what they've done, from, from what I've read, is if you want to uh, put your ad on Joe Rogan Air, you're going to do two things. A, you're going to buy that ad for $1 million and B, you're going to buy additional ads on their other podcasts for additional money. So they are trying to aggressively make this money back. So they are trying to build up on the Spotify platform and advertising basis that people will pay large amounts of money for. And the, the, they have made Joe Rogan an integral part of their business, an albatross around their neck that makes this whole po- uh, this whole problem so much worse. 
He's a magnet for the ad money. Sure. It was uh, December 31st uh, that that interview was released. I'm sure it was recorded sometime before, but they probably have a oh, pretty quick turnaround, like a week. Yeah. They have like a team of editors, so. Of 2021? <laughs> well, everyone knows how heavily edited Joe Rogan's podcasts are. <laughs> and I say that uh, as a joke because he doesn't like edit right. them at all. <laughs> it's just like stream of consciousness interviews that are released in total and in full. More or less. Um, May 2020, Joe Rogan signs with Spotify. December 31st, 2021, they released this interview with Robert Malone. Nathan, do you want to tell us anything about that interview? (laughs) Well, what I can tell you is uh, I haven't listened to the full interview because I can't make myself do it. Uh, I have listened to several clips of it. Um, But here's the thing. So uh, (laughs) Dr. Malone is maybe one of these people that uh, Joe invited on not because he's a genius expert, but because... He agrees with the point of view that Joe has specified in the past. And I think there's value in this to a certain extent because he represents a different point of view than the mainstream. Which, if this were like art or something that didn't affect global health, might be welcome. (laughs) But there are some things that it is difficult to bring somebody on who has alternative views on whatever. So he he brings on uh Dr. Robert Malone after which uh I believe 250 doctors write a letter to Spotify saying Joe Rogan is putting out misinformation that could be deadly to people. And there's a thing that happens between this letter and uh when the podcast was released which is and can you can you guys verify this? Joe Rogan contracts COVID before or after this interview? A little bit before. A little bit before. It was earlier in December. Okay. Uh, apparently what happens is Joe Rogan has Dr. Malone on to back up a very specific point of view that he already had because Joe Rogan has recently gotten COVID and has gone out and said, I'm young, I'm strong, I have an immune system, and... uh he does ivermectin. He he does all these like alternative things. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip. And he gets better in a few days. And so he's convinced... This, like, not necessarily that it works for everybody, but that it certainly worked for him. So let's have somebody on who's going to talk about this stuff. So um, getting back to this letter that these doctors wrote, they have a few very specific um, claims. So they tell Spotify that he's provoking distrust in science and in medicine, that he's discouraged vaccination in young people and children. Uh, he's incorrectly claimed that mRNA vaccines are, quote, gene therapy. He's promoted off-label use of in- ivermectin uh, to treat COVID-19, contrary to very specific FDA warnings. Uh, he uh, spread all kinds of conspiracy theories. Um, and then 
Dr. Robert Malone, after this was, this episode came out, was suspended from Twitter for spreading shockingly misinformation about COVID-19. Can, can we get granular for a second on the, um, mRNA vaccines being gene therapy? Because, like, I kind of vaguely know what mRNA is. It's like the messenger between your DNA to like the rest of your gene expression in your body. But um, like in what way is Joe's claim wrong? I guess I just don't understand like that. It's gene therapy. Like okay. I, I don't necessarily get how that's objectionable. Like maybe it is and I'm just not seeing it. Well, first of all, uh, <laughs> I would say because a bunch of doctors say so. But according to Google, uh, the mRNA from the vaccines does not enter the cell nucleus or interact with the DNA at all. So it does not constitute gene therapy. So I see. If it I doesn't interact that. with if it like it like it's it's a pretty dumb thing to say because it doesn't interact with the gene. It doesn't interact with the DNA. So, so I think. I understand the mix-up for someone who, as Joe is self-proclaimed to be, kind of an idiot. Like, not necessarily maybe the best student in school and stuff. Like, I can understand how you might get that mixed up, though, because mRNA sure sounds a whole... Like, yeah, I remember that has something to do with with genetics. Hold on a second. Well, I, I think... I think... What happens is because viruses inject their own genetic material into uh, some type of human cells. I'm not. They target different types of cells. All different but, kinds of um, cells. My guess is that an mRNA vaccine disrupts the mRNA replication piece of the process of the virus uh replicating itself so that that's uh, why no, it, tra- name, it trains mRNA your is- immune system to recognize um certain proteins like the what? the and mrna I- encodes these uh protein spikes that like now your now your immune oh. system will recognize the these protein spikes so the so the mRNA vaccine is going into your own immune cells, right? The vaccine is a, is affecting your like white blood cells to or or the pro, some sort of proteins to to detect uh, whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> so for me, this is like, this is really complicated. If you need some more clarity, just go check out Joe Rogan's podcast. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, I'm I'm less concerned about getting into the nitty-gritty of what he right. said incorrectly because we have experts, cut lots of them, like a crazy number of them, telling us that he's wrong. And he has a platform out there that he is using. There's a, a The number I heard is something along the lines of 11 million people uh, per episode listen. And there is there's a bit of an issue because he will sometimes say, I feel like he speaks out of both both sides of his mouth because he says, I'm a, like, I'm a comedian. I'm an idiot. Like, don't just like, don't take medical advice from me. But he also, when he had COVID very specifically gave very specific advice, medical advice to people 
that he thought they were going to follow and had a reasonable expectation because there is a large percentage of his listenership that believes in these conspiracy theories and likes that he like puts out alternative views of popular like science uh, scientific theories or uh, political theories or whatever it is and so like he has a lot of people that are going to listen to him no matter what and the question is like does he have an obligation knowing that people are going to listen to him to not spout bullshit like when he knows it could kill them like joe rogan has probably killed some people yeah i mean this is especially tough like um it's definitely problematic i don't like that he said that i wish he wouldn't have said that but moreover like we have to take a step back and say like are we willing to censor people over this and like how much responsibility does he have for what stupid people are going to do, right. like, maybe regardless of whether he said something or not. Now, granted, like, I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, and it is very dangerous to put that information out there. But who's really listening to Joe Rogan for medical advice? Like, that's already a <laughs> I think bad... the gang from 4chan... <laughs> that's like, already a bad uh... call. Right, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It is not a good idea. And Joe Rogan knows it's not a good idea. And to to be fair with what you said earlier, Pat, he's specifically gone out and said, don't listen to me. But then he'll turn around and he'll say something that is important to him, like the the COVID misinformation at the time that he had taking it. Taking ivermectin and stuff. Yeah. I mean, taking ivermectin is not good. Right. And like pushing it, like he said over and over again, if you're young, you have a good immune system you shouldn't get the vaccine. He specifically said that. Now, he's also said that he doesn't think that it's uh, dangerous. He said that he doesn't think the vaccines are a bad idea. What he said is, if you're young and healthy, you have a good shot of beating it without it. Popular uh, podcast host Joe Rogan, you may have heard about this, made comments about young people getting vaccinated. Vaccinated is getting a lot of buzz. He said, if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I say no. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, I don't think you need to worry about this. Saying young, healthy people shouldn't get vaccinated. So, like, he's that's still awful because, like, m- you know, maybe, like, 10,000 people listen to that advice and like 20 of them actually get severe COVID because specifically because Joe Rogan said that. Like, I mean, right. That's still not great. Well, and, and again, like, is he on the hook for that? Is that, is that his problem? He's definitely is, morally it, responsible for it. I mean, he has to carry some responsibility for toting misinformation, especially when he knows that that information is wrong. If he, if he doesn't know that it is wrong, it's a little <laughs> slightly different, but, um, so only slightly because he right. probably ought to vet it. But the thing about it is, is like, there's no direct response. Like if someone listens to someone's like, Oh crap, I just tested positive for COVID. What should I do? Let me flip on the Joe Rogan podcast and see what he says. Oh, he says to take ivermectin, so I'll do that. Right, but but Joe's like, out there. Joe's I, out there saying like I, I cannot put that on Joe Rogan because 
that person is just unbelievable. That person should not be in charge of their own life if that if that's nope. how they nope. make decisions. You joke about that, but like that's a no, real I'm not person. Joking. That's that's something I'm, I'm that actually joking. happens. That's, certainly, like people like that exist, but people like that need caretakers <laughs> because if you are if you are like oh sh- I'm sick, let me flip on Joe Rogan. You need like you. you your cognitive decision-making right. so, is impaired. Sarah and I have been talking about this recently, and I think we are finally getting to the point as a society where, like, responsible people about the vaccine and irresponsible people about the vaccine are sort of coming to the same conclusion of, like, let's open back up. Uh, because the irresponsible people, they, they don't care. They're going to do whatever they do. And the responsible people have been trying to protect the idiots for over two years now. And the idiots have decided, man, we don't want protection. And the rest of us are finally at the point where we're like, fine, you don't get protection. It, they, they came out this week with information yeah. saying that if you are, uh, double vaxxed and boosted, you are 97 times less likely to die from COVID than if you are not vaccinated. And so how long do how long am I on the hook as a good person, as a responsible person, as a person who wants the best for my society, my country, my planet? How long am I on the hook to keep on trying to like make idiots who don't want to make responsible choices to like try and make responsible choices for them or protect them or whatever while they're actively sort of assaulting people and making fun of them and like touting their ignorance. I just like, it doesn't make any sense. And so I, I don't know that there's any, I do. I don't know that there's any protecting these people. I, so I, I do agree, but I also, I mean, in terms of the vaccine part of it, um, in particular, I, there's the, 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 uh, the vulnerable, absolutely. the, The, the people who, um, who even if they are vaccinated and boosted are still in that kind of danger zone that I still think about like, well, those people who refuse because my freedoms, <laughs> like the, they're still leaving those people at risk. And I, as much as I want to just open up, I still am cautious about it because of those people, those vulnerable people. But I do, I get it because how long can we be expected to, (laughs) it's, it's that meme where the person's riding the the bike and they, they take the stick out and they shove it in the spokes of their own bike and and they're like, how dare you? Yeah. Right. And then how could the Eric Andre meme where he Um, like shoots the person and says, how dare they did this? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's the one. So those two, those are, or there's others. So, but but like, is is Joe on the hook for protecting these people? If he know, like if, if he knows full well that they're not going to make good choices, no matter what. Um, and again, like his, his thing, when he talks about virtually anything other than a global pandemic is great. Like, I want to hear alternative views of guys. We had an episode about UFOs like two weeks ago, (laughs) you know, like we, Mm -hmm. we are not opposed to talking about controversial stuff, 
But you know what we didn't do in that podcast? You know what we didn't do? We didn't say, well, it was aliens from Gornax 9 who were in, like, what we talked about was, and this is one of the things I love about Larry, uh, like another shout out to him, is that he he's not out there saying this is what causes this. What he's saying is, like, there's this bizarre phenomenon that happened and we cannot explain it. That we have all this evidence for. Right, mm-hmm. and I want to hear that podcast. We did well, an episode of it. That's how much I want to hear that podcast, and, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. I think there's there's room for Joe Definitely. and what he does, just not in this like particular arena. A couple, a couple thoughts. One is, you know, I probably, I think another reason why we didn't bring up the aliens is because I didn't want to butcher the name of their planet that badly. But Gornax Nine, whatever. Ying Fork. Jeez, cringe. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, no, uh, sorry, rim shot. Anyway, um, I <laughs> do, I do agree that I think it's very important to have those. Like, to be completely honest, Joe Rogan's podcast is basically the model for our podcast, <laughs> except without um, sources, without any like, sources just, at all, like without any fact checks in any way, shape, well, or form at all. It's in a lot of ways, the exact opposite but, of our podcast. Uh, hey, hey, Jamie, pull that up. Uh, he, was, he has he has his editor sitting there on the computer that he uh, sure. pulls up clips and stuff, and sometimes they, he will fact check him. But okay, sometimes apparently not all that often, but not on vaccine was, stuff. Apparently, <laughs> the comparison I was uh, trying to draw was. That it's, it's conversations he has with people. He's asking questions as sort of like a guy who doesn't know about stuff and wants right. to find out about stuff. I can get behind that. And that is the same kind of thing, that same sort of natural curiosity, wanting to learn, um, that, that we share. Absolutely. And I think, um, now obviously we go about it differently. He has access to a lot more people who with with way more credentials and for what it's worth robert robert malone dr malone worked on developing the mrna vaccine it's not like he was Kinda, just some I'm gonna random throw in, doctor i'm gonna throw in a mm-hmm, fact right? check here because there's information about that coming out that it does not seem <laughs> he he doesn't have the credentials that he claims to have. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm going to let future Nathan deal with that comment. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. I'm going to try and make this as fast as possible, but in the words of Dr. Samuel Beckett, oh boy. So the situation is a little complicated here. First of all, there's no question that yes... Dr. Malone was part of groundbreaking mRNA research done in the 80s and a co-author of a 1989 paper on mRNA vaccines. Here's a problem. Up until the BioNTech-Pfizer vaccine was developed and the procedure was licensed to Moderna, Dr. Malone seemed to have forgotten that he had a hand in mRNA research. Afterwards, he started harassing and borderline threatening one of the creators of that COVID-19 vaccine, Catalin Carrico, all of which is documented in an article in The Atlantic that you'll find in the doobly-doo. After the development of the vaccine, a few things happened. 
Suddenly, Dr. Malone's website biography changed to list him as the, quote, discoverer of in vitro and in vivo RNA transfection and the inventor of mRNA vaccines, which is probably news to Dr. Philip Felgner and then Salk director Idner Verma, who also helped with the 1989 paper. In early 2021, when people were starting to look into Dr. Malone's claims, they would often turn to Wikipedia to see his credentials. When they would go to Dr. Malone's page or the pages for DNA vaccine or mRNA vaccine or RNA therapeutics, they'd find Dr. Malone prominently featured, but without proper sourcing on the subject. From March to June of 2021, Wikipedia user Glasspool1 would constantly change, add, and alter these pages to make Malone look more influential than he was. Eventually, after multiple warnings, Glasspool1 was blocked and their edits and revisions were reverted. But for that time in early to mid-2021, anyone who considers Wikipedia research would go there and see Malone's name prominently featured, giving him a credibility that was best unearned and most likely fraudulent. On what I'm sure is an unrelated note, Dr. Malone's wife's name is Dr. Jill Glasspool Malone. There's an incredibly well-sourced article at For Better Science that I'll include in the doobly-doo that lays out all the problematic aspects of Dr. Malone's claims about science and himself. Bottom line, yes, he did develop the science that we use today to work with mRNA vaccines, but the ego he uses to claim himself as the inventor of the science ignores the work of hundreds of scientists that came before him that the work was based on as well as the co-author of his own paper on the subject. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Fair enough. Well, yes. we'll get some clarity on that, but ostensibly... He worked on the development of the mRNA vaccine, so it's not like he is, you know, just some physician off the street who has right. these and, views. And I will right? say, like, as far as Joe knew, when he brought brought him on, that was true. And he does like, that doesn't go away right? Uh, just because new information has come to light since. Right. So, um, you know, even in that case, like, it's not... Like he just invited some fringe person for out of nowhere, right? <laughs> sure. he, they, he did have someone with, at least on paper, some credentials, but this fringe idea. And you know what? The other thing is, Joe Rogan's podcast, I think I think to a, a certain extent here, it gets the, the same defense as Fox News got in that case where they got off because... Who in their right mind would take this seriously? Right. Tucker Carlson, yeah. like his own lawyers, the Fox News lawyers argued that no yeah. one in uh, like no reasonable person would take what he said seriously as the truth, I believe. He exaggerates. He's non-literal. In other words, don't believe what Tucker Carlson says. Those were basically the legal arguments made by Fox News lawyers, arguments that ultimately convinced a federal judge to dismiss a defamation lawsuit filed by Karen McDougal. Right. And I feel like that should go doubly for Joe Rogan, because at least Tucker Carlson was speaking with the authority of Fox News behind him when he does that. Joe Rogan is speaking with the authority of 
Joe Rogan's right. podcast okay. behind if, him. If I can There's mention nothing. a couple of things. I think one thing this reminds me of, especially when Joe says, I'm just a comedian, don't listen to me. That's the same thing that happened. If you go back and you watch one of my absolute favorite clips on the internet ever, this is a decade or more old now, uh, The Daily Show is releasing... Uh, no. We'll do it live? No. Uh, the Daily Show is releasing a book. I think it's This Is America. And, uh, Crossfire with a very young, bow tied Tucker Carlson on it, uh, asks, uh, Jon Stewart to come on. And Jon Stewart listens, er, Jon Stewart watches a lot of cable news, like a crazy amount of cable news to be able to do his show. And he goes on and he basically, Jon Stewart berates them for the 15 minutes that he that they give him over the course of like two segments um and he and Tucker Carlson get into it before anybody had started John Stewart knew that Tucker Carlson was a piece of shit before anybody else knew that Tucker Carlson was a piece of shit so that's that's great um <laughs> but but one of the things In the 90s, one right? of the arguments that John Stewart makes on that show is um I'm a comedian I'm competition. I, I think you're a good comedian. I think your lectures are boring. Let me ask you. Let me yeah. ask you a question on the news. Now this is theater. I mean, it's it's it is, obvious. No, no, it is. How old are you? Thirty-five. And you wear a bow tie. Yeah, I do. I do. So, I do. so this is. No, no, I know. I know. So you're right. No, no, let me just go. No, come on. And come listen, on. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you're that, not. You're not a smart guy because those are not easy to tie. But the thing difficult. is that this you're doing theater. When you should be doing debate, which would be great. No, it's, it's, it's not, not honest. And what you do is not honest. What you do is partisan hackery. And I'll, and I'll tell you, you why I, I know it. You on your show and you sniff his throne and you're accusing us of partisan hackery? Absolutely. You're You've got to be kidding me. You're on CNN. Say. My, the show that leads into me is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I loved crank yakers. I think it's a similar argument, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar to what Joe Rogan is doing. But what I will say is The Daily Show, especially those people at the time it came out, they developed a rigorous sourcing process to be able to do their show in the way they needed to. To point out their, their goal from the very beginning was they think it's hilarious to point out hypocrisy. And what you can't do is you can't... Yeah, they ran the show like, like journalists with a sense of exactly. humor. Exactly. So like... Like we like we said at the top, um, Joe isn't presenting himself as a news source. He's not presenting himself as like an authority on anything. Except for when he like, wants to, he he the, doesn't have the same. The logo of the show is a picture of looks like a Joe having a fear and loathing in Las Vegas moment. Well, the whole the Joe I don't Joe think Rogan he has the I don't the Joe Rogan experience was supposed to be a playoff of the Jimi Hendrix experience. Like that's where that's coming from. Sure, sure. Right. So yeah. I, I don't think that he really has the same responsibility to, uh, like, journalistic integrity that somebody who is reporting on the facts as they happen or, like, breaking news right. does. Or, or for that matter, somebody who is putting out, like, a published book or, um, you know, peer-reviewed studies. I think it's just like he's putting out entertainment. And you know. Right. Now, I will say that I think the, the, the fact that, because The Daily Show didn't have that journalistic either. That's, it was a sketch comedy right, show. They, 
But they it, did it. But right. they chose to put that journalistic effort into. Yes. And I think it made the show a lot better. But that was their choice, and that was how they wanted to do their show. And I'm glad they did. But that was just well, their and, artistic decision. Joe is doing a different kind of say, show. Pat, he doesn't have to do what Pat, they did. I 100% agree with you. I think a lot of this problem is the way the show is seen and the way... Uh, bunch of people who are listening to the show are listening to it in the wrong way because Joe Rogan has not presented himself. And this was kind of my point with Jon Stewart, like Jon Stewart out of one side of your mouth, you're saying I'm not a journalist, but on the other side, like you are doing one of the most intensely sourced shows on television. You are making some of the most uh, like valid arguments that are made on on any journalistic show, be it, uh, like, fed into by actual news or puppets making prank phone calls. I just picked up my 92 Accord from your lot, and there is a huge turd in the back seat. Joe Rogan has never done that. Joe Rogan has always been, like, I'm a curious guy who asks a lot of dumb questions, and some of which get to, like, really interesting answers. And so, like... The problem is, over the last several years, society has started looking at conspiracy theories and people taking them more seriously. There are now people who think that when Joe talks about conspiracy theories, that they should take him seriously. And that's not... I don't think that's on Joe. Right. I do think that Joe needs to stop f***ing putting out misinformation about a global pandemic, and he can eat shit on that one. Having said that, Everything else, I don't care about. I think he does a good show. I think it's interesting. And I think the main problem is the way it's perceived from people coming from the outside. So real quick, I want to go back to the issue about people who are high risk. Like, not people who are high risk for dying, but people who are going out and spreading. Or, uh, you know, going to bars, going to parties, seeing a lot of people. Um I think, especially with Omicron that swept through earlier this year, that a lot of those people who are putting themselves at a lot of risk, so that kind of high-risk people, I think a lot of them have been exposed already. Like, I, I think that we've reached saturation that everybody who is going to be exposed from high-risk behavior pretty much is already. Um, so... I don't think that there's, like, a a big risk that, like, uh, yeah, obviously it would be great if those people got vaccines, if they wore their masks, if they stayed indoors and didn't attend, like, large mm. indoor events. Um, but a lot of the damage that's going to be done from that probably has already passed. Um, and I want to touch on just, like, the anti-vax stance for a second. I think vaccines are great. I think that everybody who has the ability to get a vax, like there are countries where people right. can't get enough vaccine. Where they'd like to. Um, right. It's a privilege. Yeah, where they'd like to. It's a privilege to get a vaccine. I think everybody should take advantage of that opportunity who can't. At the same time, you know, and, and nobody's really saying that we should be going from door to door forcefully vaccinating people, but you do have autonomy over your own body. I just wish that those people would, uh, you know, quit being such blatant risks to 
other people, especially vulnerable people. But at the same time, like, you know, if somebody is really dead set on not getting vaxxed, like, we maybe we should just, like, leave, leave them alone. Like, they should probably be not in society coughing on people in Walmart. <laughs> but, um, you know, if if they really are concerned about the health effects from the vaccine then like i i guess they're okay to have autonomy over their own body you know i i don't want to get in between that so the problem is they've got it no one ever suggested that they don't have that like no one has ever forced anybody to get jabbed in any way Except for well, historically, you, uh, historically, uh, wait, wait, have, wait, 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 that's wait. not true. The thing is, you have bodily autonomy. Okay. You don't have to do any medical thing that you don't want to do, but you don't right. necessarily have job autonomy. Like you're, you get to be fired if you present a risk to your customers, or like we live in an at-will work state. Like your boss can fire you for whatever they want. It doesn't matter. And so there, there's this thing that, like, yeah. you – people want medical freedom and they've got it. Just like – but just like free speech, they misunderstand what the f*** that means. Like, it doesn't mean you don't have any consequences and you get to do whatever the hell it is you want. What it means is for free speech, you're not arrested for from the government. The government doesn't arrest you for you saying whatever the hell you want. End of list. So there is a precedent for going around and force vaccinating people. Like, that's not completely off the table. That is a thing that we have done before in the past. Right, but who suggested yeah. that since this started? No one. Well, well we could, we could think about it, though, maybe. Vac- <laughs> yeah, vaccine mandates have been definitely suggested. In fact, a federal, there have been federal vaccine mandates in place. Um, you can't do it across the board, but one of the things that they can do and have done for many years is mandate vaccines right. at public schools. So that's for, one of the things you don't students, get to do for kids. in exchange for your medical freedom. It doesn't, like, that's the thing. Like, your medical freedom right. doesn't mean that you don't have consequences for making your choices. It just means that you get to make your choices and no one's going to send you for to jail for doing that. However, you don't get to just do the thing you want to do and expect everybody to ignore the fact that you're putting other people at risk. Right. Well, and, and some people are so, so dead set against it that it's like they'll accept whatever the consequences are no matter what. And they still want to be able to, you know, shop wherever they want. They want to attend public events. Right. Like, like I've, I've called these people idiots over and over again. But you know who I've never called idiots? Like, if you're anti-vax or anti-mask or whatever... I've never called people who have chosen to stay in their house and not get vaccinated and not wear masks. But, like, the thing is, those people don't exist. <laughs> like, those, or, like, Andy, Andy, like you pointed out well, earlier, it's people who are in out a position much. where, like, medically they have to be in that position. Where, like, they don't have a choice. And, like, I, I feel for those people. Mm-hmm. I do. And yeah. I have lived my public life for the last two and a half years now, almost. In a way that supports those people. I'm fully vaxxed. I'm fully boosted. I've never, like, not worn a mask out, you know? I know it's... I'm massively, I know I'm massively derailing us and I've already taken us off track, but, um, like, these vaccines were 
developed really fast. They were developed like earlier this year. I believe they're safe. I believe they're effective. Um, they've been tested as such. Um, but we got an emergency use authorization specifically to put them through sure. quickly. Um, the <laughs> long-term effects. Here's, here's what I'll say. I think, I think they were put out fast. I also know that the way it was done isn't a problem. And I'm going to drop a fact check right here, uh, with the, like, I, I can't tell you why off the top of my head in like in a thorough and intellectual way. So I'm going to drop a fact check right here, which explains why it's not a problem that they were developed uh, quickly. The COVID-19 vaccines were created and approved in record time. But how did scientists do it? While COVID-19 is new, coronaviruses are not. In fact, scientists have been studying these viruses for more than 50 years. So, just 10 days after the first reported cases in China, scientists knew the viral sequence of COVID-19 and started making a vaccine. Since then, researchers from around the world have worked together on the vaccines, using resources from government agencies, private donations, and pharmaceutical companies to pay for and streamline the research, removing roadblocks so scientists could move faster. Then, tens of thousands of people volunteered to participate in clinical trials so scientists could study how well the vaccines worked. The trials showed the vaccines are highly effective at preventing COVID-19 and don't show serious safety concerns. Now, just a year later, the FDA has approved multiple vaccines that promise to limit the spread of COVID-19 and protect us all. And we'll go from there. Right. Cool. Yeah, but like for for somebody to believe that uh, that the vaccine might have long term effects that we might not know about yet, um, I have a hard time dismissing that as a completely irrational view. Just because like we don't know what the five year, ten year, twenty year outlook might so, be. Right. Um, I have a, a hunch that I think it's not right. harmful. There's... There is one thing that, um, in the history of vaccines, and again, I will, I will double check this, but this is something that I've heard. In the history of vaccines, there has never been a situation where there have been long-term effects outside of, I, I believe it was three to six months after the vaccine was injected. Mini fact check. According to Dr. Paul Gopfert, MD, director of the Alabama Vaccine Research Clinic, who has nearly 30 years of studying vaccines, quote, the side effects that we see occur early on, and that's it. In virtually all cases, vaccine side effects are seen within the first two months after rollout, end quote. This isn't to say that vaccines don't have side effects or that in rare cases, those side effects may not be severe. But in every wide rollout of a vaccine from polio to swine flu and beyond, any side effects that have been seen happen in those first two months. Mini fact check. So there, you could say like maybe the mRNA ofness of these vaccines changes that, changes the nature of them or whatever, but the history of vaccines shows that that's not really something to worry about. So, and I think, the the key here is that um it is not unreasonable to ask the question well 
I have con- to 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 say, hey, I have concerns about the five to ten year effects of of this vaccine because it was only developed six months ago, right or right. whatever. Um, it is reasonable to raise that concern when somebody explains to you why it's not concerning. You have to actually listen to them, right? So then finding out about you know why. There is no reason to think that there would be long-term effects, that there never have been long-term effects for any other vaccines. Now, expressing that concern starts to feel a little bit like being like, but how do I know for sure there's not an invisible werewolf under my bed? Right. Certainly. Because, like, yeah, I guess there could still be an invisible werewolf, but, like... Why would there be, right? You, you as an American, anyway. as a human being, as whatever, have a right to believe in invisible werewolves. Like, that's fine. But when your invisible werewolf kills my grandma, be a good that's a problem. Like, when your invisible werewolf right. ends up making the, like, making the children or the sick people who can't get uh, vaxxed sick... Because you want to believe a completely irrational thing, and you're not willing for it to affect your life at all, like even just a little bit. That's a problem. So so to bring it back to the Joe Rogan podcast, like, what kind of responsibility does he have over all of the people who are going to run around with the information that he puts out? Like... There, there's a strong argument that we need to be better consumers of information yes. critically rather than we need to censor this person who said the wrong thing, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and that's, I think, you know, the, the the next part of this story is how is the reaction to that episode uh, with the, the Dr. Malone? Uh, because in response to that, like, he got... He got um, blasted on social media, is spreading misinformation, right. blah, 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 As blah. Dr. Malone got censored on Twitter. Um, and, but again, uh, he didn't, he and, didn't get censored on Twitter because he went on Joe Rogan. He got censored on Twitter, uh, for spreading because other misinformation. He kept spreading bullshit information about sure. the same bullshit information he spread on Joe Rogan. So then, uh, you have some musicians who get together and write write this open letter to Spotify asking them to uh, to Actually, take the episode no, down, what, I think, or take the or to end ties up, with Joe Rogan. Right, what was so, the open letter <laughs> let's, asking? Let's get this straight. So what happened uh, was that a group of doctors two two hundred and fifty. You said, yeah, I believe it's two hundred and fifty, mm. but I will probably at this point have already uh, either corrected that or put a little ding into the episode. But the first thing that happens is that they put out this open letter to Spotify saying, hey, you need to get this under control in whatever way is appropriate. Either you need to put out a correction in the like at the beginning or end of the episode, ideally both, or you need to stop Joe Rogan from spreading misinformation. You need to do something, but it is unacceptable that this giant platform that you've given him is a way to spread misinformation that is being picked up by the people who listen to him and taken as 
gospel as something that they should listen to because Joe Rogan at some point said, I'm an idiot. You shouldn't listen to me. I'm a comedian. Don't take medical advice from me. But that wasn't at this point. Like what had happened at this point was he got COVID, told people exactly what they should do, which was the wrong thing, and then brought in a guy who said a bunch of bullshit on his air for three hours and eight minutes. So certainly it's the reputation. It's the size of the platform. It is the amount of following that he has because look, look, like you can find in misinformation if you want to. The people who are tuned in to this kind of, uh, you know, group think this kind of mis vaccine misinformation, like they can find content. What you're worried about is the scope and the scale and how many people is he reaching. Um, and that's where it starts to get a little thorny, uh, just because then you are actually maybe having an effect on the real world. Yeah. You know, it's not like some indie podcast that has six listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And so after this, and there's an argument to be made. So Neil Young comes out first and says, hey, if you're going to spread this misinformation that these doctors have sent out this letter for, I don't want you to play my music anymore. And... Spotify was like, let's look up how many uh, music downloads uh, he's had. Not that many. And we paid $200 million to Joe Rogan that we have not gotten back yet. So uh, goodbye, Neil Young. And so then a few other, like mostly right. like well, o- older older musicians uh, who are not, like there's an argument to be made that this was good for Spotify in some ways. Although they did lose $4.81 billion of value after this whole thing started happening. So that's not good. Um, but like, I know, uh, Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell pulls her music off and Crosby, Stills and Nash and pull their music off. And then in India RE, which is not like, not a musician from 50 years ago, pulls her music off but still, it's like – it's been a trickle so far. And maybe more people do it and maybe they won't. Um, but it is hard to see a situation with as caught up with uh, the advertising and this $200 million as Spotify is that they could functionally get rid of Joe Rogan. They they have attached this guy one way or another. Well, um I mean, I think we're still on Spotify. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely are. So the thing is, so like, I guess from Spotify's standpoint, right? Spotify, first of all, so two two main points here. First of all, what what Spotify is, what they aspire to be, their business model is to be just this. I guess, and like a, 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 an endless library of information of 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 music is how they started, but they've expanded to podcasts, and you know they may expand to other. Well, they, um, they're already to starting things. to. They're starting to spread into audiobooks now. They want to be. Yep. They want to be everything. Audiobooks? Everything they that you wanna... listen to with your ears, that's what they want to provide for you. Right. They want to have everything out there. If you can hear it, you can hear it on Spotify is what they want to become. So to to that end, right, 
you know, if you could rebuild a, a modern library of Alexandria, <laughs> do you include Mein Kampf? Of course you do. Of course you do. And so here's the thing. Let's let's talk yeah, let's talk more I about uh, Joe Rogan's No Good Very Bad Week where it starts out with uh, <laughs> him getting into a beef with Neil Young, and he releases a, uh, an apology video saying, hey, I'm going to try and be better in the future. Maybe I'll do more research. Maybe I'll bring on like more traditional experts uh, after I bring on the idiots, uh, which I don't think – he definitely didn't call Dr. Malone an <laughs> idiot. That's me, but I'm going to stick by that moniker. Um, right. So – People decide that they don't like that. That's not good enough and whatever. And there is a uh, group that releases this supercut of Joe Rogan. I And again, I'm not sure about this. I'll give you a ding or a buzz here. But I believe over 70 times saying mm. the N-word over and over on his podcast. You know, thing. Yeah. saying the word. I, you've already said D is just like saying she's calling you a like this boy that he's starts calling them word there should be a word like especially like the word that's he says guy and they're saying to use the word out the word you couldn't say and that comes out i believe uh that's a big yikes from me that happens three days it's not after this whole thing like after his apology comes out and so Joe Rogan ends up in a situation yeah. where he has to release I... another apology in the same week. Hello, friends. Um, I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. <laughs> and right. Spotify still stands by it. So, yeah, people do. And I do not, in no way am I defending him on this, but I will say that because of the, that with the timing of the N-word video, it sure kind it's of felt like... people doing it because they don't like what he did on the misinformation. It felt like people are like, well, I guess the mis, the misinformation thing didn't right. stick, so, so we'll Joe get him Rogan with this. Joe Rogan removes it's, and I'm sorry, which, it was not 70, ugh. 70 times that he said it. Joe Rogan goes on, on his own, and removes 70 different episodes of the Joe Rogan experience from Spotify and basically from the internet. And those 70 mm. episodes happen to be the 70 episodes where he says the N-word a lot. Now, here's the thing. Spotify either mm. didn't do their – either A, didn't do their research on this or B, didn't care because all of that was available before they paid him $200 million. And the thing is, all of this has been available for a long time, and it came out the same week that he released his apology for spreading misinformation about COVID, I think, pretty obviously, because somebody did not want him spreading that misinformation and didn't like him. And if they couldn't take him down one way, they were going to try and take him down a different way. Now, having said that, yeah. that's pretty shitty. I think it's, like, it's, it's, it's really shitty. Yeah, that's not great, right? I mean, obviously... Screw Joe Rogan for having used the N-word so much. But also, like, so whoever put times. that out is also kind of a dick. That's the risk you take of, of having, like, a library of a bunch of content from you from over the years. Like, you've probably said some controversial stuff. Now, I mean, I'm going to probably avoid saying anything like that, like, anything even remotely like that. But, um, you know, if somebody wants right. to doctor up 
a a blackmail piece on like the history of our pod like they could probably find some stuff <laughs> this is this is i believe episode 65 if anybody wants to do a compilation of all the times i've said the n-word mm. <laughs> over the last 65 episodes i welcome you to yeah. it's gonna be pretty short here's a quick joe rogan here's a quick tip um if you don't say it People won't be able to do a right. supercut of you saying it over and over again. And so you coming on and do an apology later saying, like, this is the most shameful video apology I've ever had to do. Like, no one gives a shit. Yeah. No. Like, everybody, everybody has known for many, many, like, all of human history that this is a bad thing to do. And, and it was, um, I will say, like, you're, you, you mentioned that, yeah, there are still people defending him, but... There was a very um, immediate, like, withdrawal by a bunch of people, including a bunch of celebrities, <laughs> who basically, <laughs> like, within a matter of days went from saying publicly, it may be misinformation, but, you know, you have to be responsible listeners, too, and blah, blah, well, blah. because it's two different to, things. To, like, oh, no, he can't do that. <laughs> like yes no this is two very different yeah, things. yeah it was just it was and to be fair like if we whatever it one I, I think it sucks whoever was sitting on that supercut video waiting for like an opportunity like yo i mean i guess all those episodes were out there nobody ever said anything no one noticed when he said it anybody on those could have episodes done it any time over many years ago i mean jeez how did he not get it's, called out for for it until now? That is pretty wild. Right. Um, well, when you release so... Like, there's so much content out right. there. There so, is so much content out there. Like, when your average episode length is over two hours... Yeah. Beat a dead source, I'm looking at you. you like, it's it's hard for people to go back through your entire catalog. Having said that, I would say if you're going to pay somebody $200 million... Maybe that's an activity that you want to go ahead and give to an intern. Yeah. So they can check out how many times he said the N-word. Maybe in a the couple past. interns or something. But yeah, it's, make it's sure gonna, you cover right. that, right? It's gonna take like um, a couple of months. Like that's I a did. lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. So but, but, but this, worth is, the investment. this is another thing. We were talking about it earlier. This is another thing about they have tied themselves to him. Mm-hmm. Like they have absolutely tied themselves to him with this two hundred million dollars. And their whole gambit on trying to monetize advertising on their podcasts that mm-hmm. they have exclusives with. Right. And so it, now they're in a position – before they're in a position where they were uncomfortable about it. But like I can go ahead and say like, well, you can – like you can disagree with him. But I mean he gets to say what he wants about COVID and then you get a two-minute supercut of him saying the N-word over and over again and you still have to defend it. Like, you still have to go out there and be like, he's still our girl Friday. So so there is we, a... We love Joe Rogan. There is a logic problem that people get stuck in that's called the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. Where you have already made a mistake, but in order to uh, save yourself out of the situation, what you do is you continue making the mistake bigger and... Uh, more intensely, man, um, and it doesn't work. It doesn't actually solve any problems. Um, it's it's called like throwing good money after bad. Um, if if you make a mistake, you have to just recognize it and 
and treat it as a mistake rather than act like no it was it was the right decision all along yeah so so i did have one other point to make about spotify which was they and they they came out and clarified this for everyone about um that they removed all of the content from the Joe Rogan experience that did not meet their now, now just to be, to be very clear Joe to be very clear Joe Rogan was the one that removed the the information off Spotify Spotify didn't remove it for him he made a choice to do that it's not censorship this was re- it's Joe Rogan making a choice to remove those episodes this was actually regarding the misinformation okay portion this was between the misinformation and the n-word video oh great i'm i'm very glad i cut you off to be able to say that then sorry but yeah uh so you know they like during that they the misinformation stuff they pointed out like we have some specific guidelines about what you know about misinformation and covid19 and yeah and he didn't bring them we took care of anything that that broke those guidelines like because he was already solidly with spotify by then so um well the interesting thing is they had not released they didn't release what those guidelines were until after this whole thing started right well so those guidelines weren't available to to anybody to see until afterwards so it's very possible slash uh definitely for sure that they created a bunch of guidelines after it happened that made sure that he very narrowly like avoided uh like hitting any of those things i have absolutely i doubt that i find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have had guidelines put in place fairly early on in the pandemic because they host a a lot of podcasts on there (laughs) and uh they had some oddly specific stuff that like something happened that they had to make a guideline for anyway I don't know. I don't buy that. I If you buy it, that's fine. But, okay. So, here's my beef, I guess, with... I mean, with, with the N-word, you just can't do that. That's not okay. Um, but when it comes to the misinformation, which is really the more meaty part of this conversation, I think... Uh, you know, I have a lot of concerns... Uh, and this is why I brought up the second point about Spotify. Like, I don't necessarily know that I want to trust Spotify to be the one to make the decision Arbiter. of what information gets out and what information is deemed not okay to get out. Because I don't know that I trust their guidelines, <laughs> right? I mean... Well, but... Well, I understand what you're saying, but like... Who else is going to make guidelines for Spotify? Like, I don't want the government making decisions on, like, what uh, they get I to put out. I agree that, too. Like, so here's here's the thing. It's, like, this is the bullshit about people saying, like, but my free speech. It's that, you know what has free speech? YouTube has free speech. And Twitter has free speech. And Spotify has free speech. And Facebook has free speech. And the thing is, they can dictate whatever the f*** they want that goes out over their platform. And so you wanting to go out over that platform, I guess good for you. They've given you a set of guidelines when you sign up, follow them, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, Spotify can't be in a position where they stop people from spreading disinformation because no Republican would ever be able to have a podcast on their <laughs> platform. Zing. 
Got him. Got him. <sighs> right. Anyway. I, hadn't, I, I was getting antsy. I hadn't, like, shit on a Republican all episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can we... Can we spread this out a little bit? Because I, I think we need to be, like, coming in for a landing a little bit. But yeah. what I'd like to talk about is there are people that I have loved over over time. Like, and some of them are problematic. Like, Alex Jones? I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Love, love <laughs> Alex. Um, no, I like, I love and, like, I am I'm using it in the current sense... In the same way that you love your, like, drunk uncle at Thanksgiving or whatever who says some terrible stuff. I, I love Dave Chappelle. I do, I, like, I've loved his, his point of view for a long time and he has been very disappointing to me. But, like, this feels very similar, um, but in a very different way. Uh, and the, what I mean is, what he has decided to do with the trans community, there's no argument that it isn't harmful to the trans community. You can you can say a bunch of different stuff about whether he feels he's transphobic and whether he was joking about being a turf or whatever. But what you can't do is say that the kind of attention that he's put on the trans community has been good for them. It is not, and he has done it over and over again, and he's been told how problematic it is, and he doesn't give a shit about it. He's so, been, he's been... Fuck you, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Like, it, there's not really a good way to, to deal with he's that. He's been pretty borderline, like, homophobic since the 90s. Um, it's definitely sure. and, like, and that's, and you know what really, and, and that's fine. And like this, and that's, that's, but basically what I say is I wanted to get to the point where I'm mm. saying, fuck you, Dave Chappelle, sure. because yes, they're like, it's been problematic. And like, if we want to go into like, who has been homophobic yeah. since the nineties, we, we're going to have a long episode, Fair. but here's what I want to get into. Dave Chappelle has come under fire recently for going and trying to stop a low-income affordable housing project from moving forward in Yellow Springs and saying that he'll pull his money out of the pull his money out of the town um and he's got a I think he quoted like a 63 million dollar a year business that helps Yellow Springs and it has he's been putting out specials throughout the pandemic from Yellow Springs he's opening up a comedy club and I think coffee house steakhouse in in the uh uh in uh yellow springs something like that but there have been a lot of headlines coming out saying dave Chappelle against affordable housing says he'll pull his uh, pull his money out so like you can so people released the supercut of joe rogan saying the n-word over and over again because they didn't like what he had done with covid misinformation now, maybe it was going to come out sometime anyway, but, like, they had that information, and they waited for him to be in a, a vulnerable position, and then they dropped it on him. You can like that or not like it. It's fine. But they did it. And what happened was people don't like Dave Chappelle for good, compelling, <laughs> accurate reasons right now. But what they did was they took a piece of footage out of context and have been releasing it and saying, like, Dave Chappelle hates poor people, which you can say a lot of things about Dave Chappelle, but, like, if you know his body of work, 
that does not seem to be accurate. Like, that has never been who he has been. No. And it turns out that, it turns out that the, like, low-income housing started at, like, a quarter million dollars to be able to buy one of these units. And that was what was pushed, but that's not the headlines we've been seeing. The headlines we've been seeing have been, like, piece of shit hates poor people. Right, I think, I mean... I think the accusation more accurately was that he was being a NIMBY, uh, 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 you know, not in my backyard, um, that he supports because he contributes millions to, to charities to fight poverty across the country. But, uh, what the, our accusation was, Oh, but when they want to do it in your backyard, you say no. Um, and, and you're, but you're, you're right. Like the development that was in question is, is still going forward and it's all these cookie cutter development houses, but, uh, they, they start at 300,000 and up. Are affordable housing. Yeah. They, and, and there was supposed to be this little tiny carve out, um, of like a couple acres for the town to pay to build affordable houses on. It was this, it was a total bullshit add-on to the development plan and uh he was really right to oppose it although they he and and the town opposed the entire development for what it's worth this is the difficult thing about comedy because like it it was only three years ago that we were giving Dave dave chappelle a mark twain prize for lifetime achievement in comedy like that wasn't very long ago at all Man, I love that special. All of his, all of his, uh, trans stuff was out at that point. Nobody was saying like, um, well, maybe people were saying and they were not being heard very well, but. Right. No, his, his latest special where he like really slammed the trans community after he'd been told like, your, what you were spreading is hurting trans people. He, he had problematic yeah, the jokes. Last, the last, the last that, two specials. After, the last two specials, Sticks and Stones and The Closer, are the ones that really, yeah, cross the line for a lot of people. But it's it's a tough thing with comedy, like, at what point are you telling people, you know, you can't say that? You know, um, comedy kind of exists at the exploration of, like, what is a societal norm? Like, what is acceptable? And I think, you know, in 2022... But- Hopefully people are coming down on the side of that, you know, the societal norm is that trans people are valid, that trans people um, need to be respected and, you know, we should not be poking fun at them through comedy specials and stuff. Um, But when you start putting shackles on comedians as to, like, what kind of social commentary can they do... Um, I think you're depriving comedy of a little bit of its like satirical, but also exploratory nature for those societal norms. Um, I mean, having said that, like, yeah, I mean, his trans stuff is problematic. Like, absolutely. I don't know if I'm saying Dave Chappelle, though. Like, I mean, I I still think his stuff's funny. Right. But that's the thing. I'm not saying like I started out by saying I love him Mm -hmm. and I've loved him for a long time. But the thing is. What he does hurts trans people, and he knows that, and he went out and he talked about it more. I mean, so he didn't just you. talk about it more. 
he in 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 his and I don't want to get too down this far down this rabbit hole here, but like he he had a probably like three to five minute bit in the closer where he jo- he was joking about how uh, I don't even know what punching up means or punching down means. What the hell is so, that supposed to mean? Right. This is the. What problem. do you mean you don't he know knows. what that? You absolutely know what that means. Well, but this is the answer to the question that Pat just asked. Like, when is it okay? When when do you stop it? And the thing is, Dave knows. He's looked into it. He's read up on punching up and punching down, and he makes some bullshit excuse about like, well, it's not punching up if I don't like if I don't look down on you. If I'm just punching level, yeah. But like, you're not the one who gets to decide where somebody is, where a vulnerable community is in our society. You, you don't get to be the one to make that decision. And when you've been told that people are being hurt because of your take on this mm-hmm. and because you keep on bringing it up, like, forget about what you're saying about them. Forget about whether people think it's, it's transphobic or not. The content, just talking about it is bad. It causes people to be assaulted because people will take it the wrong way and go out and do horrible shit in your name or just because they think it's okay because Dave's talking about yeah. it. And he's been told this. He knows it and he goes and does it anyway. And that's like, that's yeah. my problem. Like, I'm not saying he's not funny. I think he's hilarious. Uh, I don't think it's particularly hilarious to do a thing that you know is going to hurt people mm-hmm. who are already suffering. If I can take us off a little bit on a tangent, is that okay? Yeah. Well, we're, okay. we're sure. getting close to time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so not, I mean, it's not, as long as it's short tangent, it's, it's a planned tangent, a plangent. Um, so something that's kind of a, a through line. Hey, Andy, I think you missed when I said plangent. No, I I didn't. Uh, something, but you didn't laugh. You, you didn't like, I I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to chuckle about it. So So something that's been kind of a through line through, um, you know, the, the, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle and, and you see it pop up with other, uh, controversial entertainment and figures such as Alex Jones and some other ones, right? Where, um, the <laughs> friend, call friend of the is, pod, Alex Jones. <laughs> Turn the friggin' frogs gay! The call is for them to be deplatformed, right? Neil Young pulled his music. He said, it's, it's me or Joe. To Spotify and Spotify said it's Joe, <laughs> and you know uh, when which when is a pretty Dave ballsy Chappelle gamble. Do you think that there was out. even a decision there. What? Like, was there even a decision? No. Like, what Neil was like, they're going to pick me for sure. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that like Spotify just all the whole office just took the day off to go home and laugh. Um, the I think uh, you know, but the, the with the trans thing and and Dave Chappelle. Uh, you know, they were calling for his special to be taken off, for him to be deplatformed from Netflix. Uh, instead, Netflix sure. has, uh, confirmed that they are doing his new comedy series coming up. Because of course they are. Um, because they don't give a f- Um, you know, and, and so, but this issue becomes, um, and, and I kind of mentioned this before, but I just want to talk more about it. Who is, deciding uh, who gets to be the decider right in the immortal words of george w bush (laughs) i think that was him wasn't it but i'm the decider and i decide what is best 
I mean, I have a, anyway. I have a really simple answer for this. Like, I can answer this real well, quick. Well, so like, and it's 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 you, it's me. It's like each individual gets to decide whether they're going to consume the content of this person. The the same way they get to write letters or like demand that stuff be taken it gets taken down or whatever. It is like up to the individual. And like it's bullshit to say like, well, I shouldn't be canceled because it, like no. I like I have a right as an individual to say this person is problematic and I would like like it if you took their stuff off and if not, I'm not going to support your business anymore. Like that's it. Like and and maybe they apologize and I go ahead and look at that apology as an individual and I decide, you know what, that's worth it to me to like come back and um really get behind Paula Dean again or whatever. But that's it. It's up to the individual. You you don't get to like sidestep controversy because you think it like you should be able to say the N word or whatever you want to do. I mean, yeah, I think on one hand, like, absolutely every consumer gets to decide, you know, who they're going to give their money to, who they're going to give their business to, whose art they're going to consume, um, and they can make that decision however they want. Um, I think also, though, just to, I mean, also, though, the platforms, I think, should... They, they do have the right, but I think that it is properly placed for them to have the right to just take something off if they don't want that on their platform. If Facebook wants to, uh, take anything with any Nazi semblance down, fine. They can do that if they want to. We can leave your fans behind. If Netflix wants to put transphobic comedy up on their platform they can do that mm. like it's right they and then can. it's up to you as an individual to not give your money to netflix anymore or what you know or like to you to say well choice. i guess you know i or to to acknowledge that you are giving money to a company that is gonna put that out there and that's tough i still have a netflix subscri- subscription right now but i'm like frustrated it's tough to live an ethical life ethical they i hear a lot of people say on on facebook and this is because i'm friends with a lot of socialists but i see them post a, a lot of times oh there's no no ethical consumption under capitalism which i think is um like true but it's 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 like saying uh like i mean there's no ethical consumption period there's no there there's no other ethical like economic system that produces uh, the things that we consume without pain and suffering that it it does not exist it's mm-hmm. you're you're left with just trying to minimize it it's it's very challenging you know i think about this a lot because you know it's part of the reason why i started going vegetarian but like nathan you don't you don't buy from amazon anymore because, for ethical reasons because you don't want to support right. like and i think we as consumers we have to make these decisions we have to do these things i mean i that. haven't shopped i haven't shopped at walmart since i was a teenager you know there there are certain things that mm-hmm. that i just don't do i take principled stands on them but like 
there's a, like, are there other things that I should be like taking principal stands on that I'm mm-hmm. not? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you uh, did you make sure that all of the uh, the parts and chips for your new computer were sourced were were from ethic you know good good lithium mines and blah blah blah. Oh no, because because I chose the least ethical way to get a computer ever, <laughs> yes, and I bought did. it from a police auction website. So it's definitely like taken from somebody. It's probably a like child in porn like computer. an illegal way. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah, probably. probably oh no, I'm computer. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so, and like and like my house uh, that I bought decade and a half ago, almost now, was a bank owned home. That was taken from somebody. And I happened to, like, I found out how it was done, and actually it turned out okay. Like, the person who owned it before us was kind of an awful person, but I didn't know that when I bought it. <laughs> you know, there, there are all kinds of things, like, you, you make choices, and you, you, you just have to be able to live with the, those choices, uh, after you've made them. And so, I mean, I'm good, but like I'm not good. So, so I'm <laughs> that makes right. I'm a big believer in the idea that the truth comes out in the wash. In an ideal world, I think the best thing that we could do would be to say, you know, just let anybody say anything. Like people are going to be good consumers of information and decide themselves, like whether or not to listen to Joe Rogan's ideas about vaccines. In an ideal world. Unfortunately, we live in the real world instead, um, which is where Maybe like these do. these issues get a lot more dicey. Um, but I I am very hesitant to say that we should like stop people from saying what they want. Um, even when people removed uh, when YouTube removed Alex Jones from their platform, I was thinking like, yeah, I mean. I'm not going to miss him like it's it's probably better that they do that but like shouldn't people be making their own decisions about what is good information and and what isn't like shouldn't people already be thinking critically uh, about the information that they receive um man I I don't know about that just because like there's there's pretty obviously bad information out like and again, like, it's all about the platform. You know, I think YouTube has the right to free speech the way anybody else does. And that means that they can put whoever or remove whoever from their platform that they want, ideally based on a set of guidelines that they've set up. And they've done I'm that. I'm just very queasy. I, I'm very queasy I, about silencing people that I disagree with. Yeah, cutting and right. censorship and deplatforming isn't how I want to get there. I want to get there with educating people on how to parse through information, how to check sources, how to do that stuff. So that's why... How to be a good consumer. That's why I think that this this whole Joe Rogan situation is kind of an overreaction. Like, I don't think that what he did is really doing real harm in the world that is his responsibility right but here's the thing it's not an overreaction because what's happened to him because from what i can tell nothing (laughs) right he had to apologize twice and then he chose voluntarily to remove some episodes from a platform that he was paid 200 million dollars to be on what the happened to him what's the overreaction that's the thing like we keep on pretending like stuff has happened to people when it hasn't 
when there's like right. absolutely no no downside for them but like they feel bad because people said like the thing they did was wrong like who gives a shit? i mean they're I, I and to be clear here i kind of hope that uh, not kind of i hope that there will be more serious ram uh, repercussions to his career uh after the n-word video um i'm hoping that that either tanks his career or or provides a pivot point to get his career into a better place where he is maybe uh a more responsible entertainer um but well, like yeah and like maybe maybe that will happen but like i my guess is absolutely nothing will happen there won't be yeah. any consequences to him so far nothing. whatsoever <laughs> yeah. for this having happened he'll have like he'll bring on Ketman Hart or whatever and they'll talk about it and then everything'll be fine and mm-hmm. he'll get like a few million more subscribers cuz that's how it works what i will say is about deplatforming disinformation i am coming from a place where there is a group of people who have who is actively trying to destroy our country who politically works on a platform of lying to their base of disinformation and yes i think it's appropriate to take down that disinformation and like tell people hey this is disinformation because you don't have a requirement to put out bullshit on a platform if that's not something that is okay with you there's nothing saying that conservatives can't go out there and actually make a platform i hear donald trump is releasing some sort of like truth facebook for 5.99 a week a week yikes uh so i guess y'all can go on there if you want and like practice your free speech but like no i like youtube twitter facebook whatever like these people don't need to like provide a platform for people who are acting in bad faith that's not their responsibility and the thing is you could even act in bad faith and say a bunch of as long as you don't violate the the list of things you agreed to when you jumped on that platform and people are still doing it over and over and over again like it's just well i i don't know i would love love to live in a time where we could say, yeah, let's try and like make everybody be critical thinkers, but clearly that's not working. And so I, I, I just don't know. I'm very frustrated. Yeah, I get the frustration. Um, I, and, hmm, I think that there is a, there, there is a way to like reasonably set up some guidelines of certain types of like misinformation that are potentially dangerous to people right and 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 i think that that's fair but when it comes to like putting putting those ideas out there it depends on what you want your platform to be if you know for example right. if spotify wants to be like i said earlier like just a here everything that can be listened to can be listened to on spotify then they're really probably ought to include those Joe Rogan episodes with him saying the N-word, to be completely honest. Um, and they ought to include that episode with uh, Dr. What's-His-Name. But they should include... They, right, there should add a, a disclaimer in there, right? For sure. 
But if they want to be that compendium of information, that's what they got to be. Yeah. I, I'm fine with that. I mean, whatever. I just... I, I but, but at the same time, like, they have to understand that that's what they're going to be. And they're, that they are putting... That people are going to be accessing some really awful, heinous content on their platform. And, you know, they, they have to deal with that. Or, on the other hand, you know, Twitter... Uh, has taken a, a, a the approach a, a much more aggressive approach. They've banned a number of people: Alex Jones, Milo Yalabapalabapis, Yiannopoulos. Uh, again, the Donald like, Trump. Those people were banned after multiple warnings. Yeah. After like, I believe you get, each of one of them got like five warnings before it happened, and they just chose to keep on like spouting bullshit. Like they did. You and had Twitter like, said, "All right, you know what? That's it." Well, and even Facebook has come out and said, like, Donald Trump is banned for now, but he's still, like, I think they gave him, like, a two-year ban or a four-year ban or something. Yeah, something like, like, he's still going to be able to come back, and then he's going to spout some more bullshit, and then he's going to get banned right again away. All you have to do is, like, either start a platform that has rules that you like, like a bunch of bullshit.com or whatever, mm -hmm. and then put whatever you want on it, or follow the rules of the platforms that you choose. But, like... Uh, those platforms are private entities that have the same rights to free speech that the individuals do. Well, and and Pat, I mean, I don't know if we want to go down this road, but Pat, you have that Discord channel where people, like, it's, it is it is kind of that free speech. I mean, what, is it a total hellscape? No, I mean, the people are generally pretty nice. Uh, I mean, they do say controversial things that they are not allowed to say other places. I, I guess. But can you get into that? Like, what do you mean not allowed to say? Um, thing, things that you would get banned for in other places that, that sure. you're allowed to, to say. But to be clear, I'm fine with that because your rules dictate that Mm -hmm. Those are things that they're allowed to say there. Sure. Right. And I don't, I don't have a problem with Facebook and Twitter and, uh, you know, Spotify in this case, doing the things that they need to do as a company, um, in order to ensure that they have a good platform. I am totally happy for them to exercise their free speech, but I don't think we should be cavalier about it. Like if it's, if it's censoring somebody who has an opinion, that is different from ours. We need to be very sober about our assessment of that, like beyond whether or not we agree with them. Um, we need to look at it like, you know, is, is this doing real world harm? If people are watching Alex Jones's conspiracy channel and, um, and just going home and, you know, washing the dishes, that's not a problem. If they're calling the parents of some of the Sandy Hook victims and threatening their lives, then like, okay, now we have a real world harm problem, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I am, I am sh a little bit shocked at, uh, Nathan, your, your lack of, uh, gravity of, of how grave it is to to silence somebody in this way um like i i but who's been silenced i'm I like that's what i'm saying like who's been silenced when when you take people off of these big monopolistic platforms you are quelling their I voice i guess but like those people those people again had 
three, four, five chances to not be kicked off. Those people had a set of rules that they had to follow. Like, it's not like they were kicked off because they had a certain point of view. They were kicked off because they had joined a platform with a specific set of rules and they chose not to follow those rules. Yeah, I mean, I can agree to All that. All you had to do was follow the f- rules. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, in no way, shape, or form am I, like, I think I have made my beef with Republicans very, very clear, conservatives in general. But I, I don't want them to be deplatformed. What I would like them to do is pick platforms with rules that sort of coincide with their bullshit. If you feel that you need to spread bullshit, you need to pick a platform where it's not against the rules to spread bullshit. We're, we're reaching a monopolistic future where there are like half a dozen companies that control 90 to 99% of the media that people see, you know? Um, Yeah, no, that's problematic. So, so if you just wait till mm -hmm. Disney owns Google, so if you do get kicked off of Facebook or Twitter or, you know, Spotify or, or Google, you know, like these platforms are, the only option there's not like a second option but they're they're not like you go on squarespace i think it's like 14.99 a month and they have award-winning content made by uh designers from around the world a squarespace hit us up we we desperately need some uh (laughs) desperately need some sponsors i have Um, no idea who you are it's not it's not like what's what's your second best it's not what's your second best youtube what's your second best twitter Go go start whatever you want, like go on Vimeo or whatever. But, there, but at the end of the day, isn't, I don't. There isn't I don't one. give a shit because there's there's a set of rules that you need to follow. Like no one's being kicked off because they believe in conservative values. Not a single person. They're being kicked off because they're breaking the rules of the platforms they're choosing to join. Right, and I I think they should be allowed. Like just don't break the god rules. I think they should be allowed to kick people off. Like I'm not saying let's force companies to keep people on. Right, you right. and I are agreeing then. Like my my big thing is you have chosen to join a private platform. And like maybe that platform is the best platform out there and then maybe we need to go out and find a a government platform. That seems pretty bad. Uh to to like try and rival uh Twitter or YouTube <laughs> or Facebook, like yeah, that sounds no, awfully you, like, Beijing. You you either you join these things and either you follow the rules or you don't. If they were kicking off people because they believed in conservative ideals, them, I would never agree to that. I would never be okay with that. But the people getting kicked off are not getting kicked off because of how they feel or what their ideals are. They're being kicked off because they can't follow a simple set of god rules. I'm pretty sure they're actually being kicked have, off because the the liberal elite mainstream media is controlling everything and manipulating people and brainwashing everyone. Probably. That's that sounds right. Yeah. I'm I am okay with that. I'm fine okay with. It. So that's the thing. I don't want to <laughs> see people silenced. I'd love to see people be able to like express their free speech and everything, but that free speech does not involve breaking the rules of the platforms you're jumping on. And so your options are then to follow the rules of these platforms that are your best option to get your ideas out there and or start your own platform that may not be as good or, you know, pick a different platform, you know, that may not be as good, but you get to choose whatever rules you want from then on. But you can't, 
you can't break the rules and be like, how dare they kick me off following the exact rules that they said they were going to do when I joined in the first place. So, uh, and, and, and just to like piggyback on that, uh, I think like there's even to a certain extent, like kind of a silver lining to it when, when these people do those sorts of things, like when, when Trump gets deep, gets kicked off of every social media platform for promoting the, the big lie that the election was stolen, like, boy, <laughs> luckily that's all it... been cleared up now, and Republicans have stopped saying that. No, oh wait, no, but it definitely, um, it just it charged a lot of things, and it creates, it brings a lot of stuff to light now. Like you, you it's now like a red flag thing that I think it has a certain factor of bringing some of these controversy controversies out into the open and i do think that although it hasn't resolved itself yet uh <laughs> the big it's, lie yeah, stuff you, is you think the republicans going to turn around and be like their their heart is going to grow three sizes no. before the next election cycle and they'll be like maybe we shouldn't actively lie to our base as a matter of course no i am curious i don't know i have no idea what's going to happen in the midterms but i am very curious and i, I i'm just Wondering if, like, to the uh, to the extent that, like, for, take a different example, maybe like the Alex Jones and the Sandy Hook, like him getting pulled from there it doesn't squash any of his followers, but like bo everyone knows about. <laughs> People who may have never known anything about Alex Jones and may have accidentally stumbled upon him now, like, they heard of him because he's getting sued by the the families from Sandy Hook because he keeps harassing them on his show. And, like, that's what he's known for now. And it's taken a little bit, of, yeah. a little while to get here. Just like I think it'll take a little while to get there with the big lie. But, uh,. I think eventually, like, you know, it might not get immediate results, but sunlight is ultimately, as they say, the best disinfectant for bad ideas. Right. If you could, if you could I push a button and, like, in real time, stop Donald Trump from tweeting the big lie stuff, would you take on responsibility of, of doing that? Because that's sort of the position that these these platforms are finding themselves in, of just like incredible power and this huge responsibility to wield it safely and effectively. Um, but like I, I hate silencing people just for for expressing their opinions. Right, but again, like that has a that's happened to exactly zero people. No one has been deplatformed for expressing their opinions. Not a single person. People have been deplatformed because they broke the rules of the platform over and over and over and over and over again. There's nothing that a fragile conservative loves more than acting like the victim. And it's just not the case. They like to talk about how they've been deplatformed because you like the 
the establishment doesn't want you to hear their views, but that's not true. They've been deplatformed because they can't stop breaking the rules. And so, the establishment doesn't want to hear their views. Just join a platform with rules that like match up with what you can actually say. Yeah, it's just a, it's a correlation, no, but not causation, right? It's, you know, nobody wants to hear their bullshit. And it's dangerous to society. No, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying precious moments. Precious moments. Anyway, I had a I had a half baked analogy in my head, but uh, and I was hoping it would finish baking as I was taking it out of the oven, but it did not. <laughs> I feel like we've we've covered some ground yeah. here. I feel like this is this has been an one <laughs> one could say that. So, my precious moment um, is a, a kind of a couple of them, but they're related. So I'm lumping them together. So, um, the Super Bowl halftime show featured some of my favorite musical artists. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, uh, Mary J. Blige, um, Kendrick Lamar, rappers, hip-hop artists. And a nice little ode from Dre to Tupac, too, which I thought was really nice. Yes, yes. Uh, First of all... The halftime show was outstanding. It was great. They kicked booty. Um, and they're a little bit older and, and a little, like, uh, they just, they just looked so good out there and they looked like they were having a great time and 50 Cent got to do a bad impression, which was cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it was great, a fantastic great, show. Great, now, great, 100% because great. it, you know, was rap and hip hop music, uh, there was a whole bunch of butt hurt, pearl clutching white people who got their, their sunglasses on and, uh, hopped in their truck to film a little video <laughs> to tell the world about how just, oh, disgusting this performance was, and oh, it's just sexualization, and blah de blah this, that, and the other. Conservatives absolutely hated it. Of course, they actually hated it because it was black people, and not, you know, Kenny Chesney or some nonsense. I believe Kid Rock would be the appropriate Kid reference Rock. here. That, would, that is an extra level of trashy. You know, they were all, all butthurt and what have you. Except for uh, conservative political pundit Candace Owens, who of course happens to be a person of color herself. Candace Owens tweeted, This is an excellent Super Bowl halftime performance. Undeniable hip-hop and R&B excellence. Well, boy oh boy, did her fans disagree. Um, she almost what? got canceled by the right wing. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if this is going to actually stick really. I'm sure it, it'll move on. We'll all move on. But, uh, some replies. The first time I haven't agreed with you. This S sucks. Just cause you like the music doesn't mean it was good. You've got to be kidding. That halftime performance Although, was painful. Can we also what? just say, if you did like the music, it was good. Like, that's that's what that means. 
Right. You're you're allowed <laughs> not to like it, but like just know. thousands of responses. <laughs> I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I certainly didn't. I should have turned it off. Really, it's not my music preference. Exclamation points. I'm sure that many people <laughs> in the USA don't really listen to that kind of blah 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 not music. <laughs> so like oh as long as we're, I figured as long as we're talking about like some canceling stuff, I thought this would be a nice, precious moment of Candace Owens almost getting, or pretty much practically getting canceled. Now I don't think any of anybody took it that far. They're not unfanning her, but I think we've accidentally stumbled on a really important philosophical question. If I don't like peanut butter, <laughs> is peanut butter good? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the the difference between a thing being good and you right. liking I think it. Yeah, you, very you, much. You have the right to cancel peanut butter on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so at any rate, that's my precious moment. the The Super Bowl halftime show was great, <laughs> and the and Candace Owens fans <laughs> not liking her take on it was also great. Um. So I I have one. Um. This is from quite a few years back, but um, there was a couple of comedians on YouTube, and I don't know why this just recently surfaced, because this video is like six years old now, Um, but it's, uh, can you get in anywhere with a ladder? Um, (laughs) Two comedians attempt to (laughs) get into places like movie theaters, amusement parks, (laughs) museums, and just like apparently this is the life hack that we've all been looking for and it's been discovered incredible you can just walk in anywhere you want as long as you are carrying a ladder under your arms um so <laughs> we'll link it in the doobly-doo it's incredible um like they a lot of people like not only did they not ask them any questions at all um, but a lot of people were, like, opening the door and, like, letting them in, like, oh, yeah, of course, here, come on. <laughs> yeah. Upon uh, <laughs> upon polling some of the other, uh, the, the, the passerby, passersby, uh, they, they started to find out that people didn't actually see anyone holding the ladder. They just saw a floating ladder going past them. Yes. <laughs> you actually turn invisible yeah, exactly. when you hold a ladder. And not even necessarily, like, uniformed, like, sometimes <laughs> in just, like, a t-shirt, just, like, a black t-shirt. Looking, uh, I guess, official enough. <laughs> as long as you look like you know where you're going. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, I wouldn't stop and ask for directions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, that gave me a chuckle this week. That It is great. We will make sure to put that in the, the doobs, the doobs. Um, okay, I have I have two. I'm going to like just briefly touch on the first one. The, they'll both be pretty quick. But... Um, I mentioned him before. I have to tell people you should go out and you should listen to uh, Kid Rock's new song, We the People. Um, the chorus of which is. Also includes uh, the. <laughs> And also includes the verse, fuck CNN, fuck TMZ, and you social media trolls, y'all can suck on D's. D's nuts. That's what's up. 
like, I like that he had to specify, oh, when I said D's, <laughs> I was talking about D's nuts. Like, it is incredible. It is a uh, modern... Every joke is better if you explain it's it. amazing. So I, I highly suggest, uh, I will make sure it gets in the doobly-doo, um, but, ooh boy, I've just barely, <laughs> barely touched on it. Okay, so... My last one, uh, the one that I'm really gonna do, although, you know, Kid Rock, uh, go check it out. Um, couple of things happened, uh, we're just gonna go over them real quick. Europe decides that we are going to have a privacy law in place that essentially means that Facebook can no longer steal your personal information. Um, it is a big sweeping law and it affects most of Europe and Facebook's, uh, stock plummets to which Mark Zuckerberg tells, uh, Europe, well, if you guys are going to do this, then we're backing out. We're, we're no longer going to be in Europe to which Europe says, that sounds sweet. We don't, we don't want you here anyway. So <laughs> get out. <laughs> and, uh, that's turns out not what Mark Zuckerberg wanted. Uh, he was just trying to, the, the problem is like when, when you go ahead and like make a threat, you need to make sure that it has some weight behind it. And this threat definitely did not. So, um, anyway, Facebook stocks dropped 26%, $252 billion in value. That's the start of I, this. I think you That's mispronounced just, stonks. Stonks, game stonks, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of stonks, uh, and game stonks, uh, let's talk about Melvin Capital Management for a moment, shall we? Uh, this yeah, is the actual it. star of the show. Melvin Capital Management, uh, was the company, uh, one of the companies that tried to short GameStop, um, a few, <laughs> a few months back, I guess almost a year back, <laughs> when, uh, Reddit decided to completely screw them over and buy and hold as much GameStop stock as they could. And, if you don't um, remember, we did an episode about it. You can go back we and listen. We did. And that was, people loved that episode. Diamond by Hands. The way. Yeah, it was um, a good one. Really? But here's the thing. So, Melvin Capital, when they made that, uh, GameStop problem, dropped their, their value dropped by 53%. Oh, um, that's a lot of percents. Oh, no. <laughs> 53%. So, I don't know if you guys know a lot about hedge funds, but when your value drops by 53%, that's not good. Um, so they decided they weren't going to do any more, any more risky, risky plays. They were going to keep it safe. And they decided, uh, in the fourth quarter to invest $1.3 billion in Facebook stock, <laughs> like right oh, before no, 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 it no, no, takes a 26% drop. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, um... But I got to say, I'm, I'm way ahead of you guys in, in saying that Facebook's Oh man. For sure. Well, Zuck, if you need like a couch to stay on or like, um, what those chargers that the Teslas run off of, um, you just, you get in touch. Uh, I'm here for you, bud. Um, I love you. And, uh, I'm just say I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Uh, hopefully we give you something to think about this week. Love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. It's okay. Bye. Wait, that's not how this goes. Wow. Bye. What was that? Wait, what? <laughs> That's not it's been so problem. long since we've done this that Nathan forgot how to be annoying. No, he definitely didn't, but he forgot how to do that annoying thing.
Hey there, sorcerers. Why don't you help us give Joe Rogan a run for his money? That's right. We could be getting $200 million from Spotify anytime now as well. Anyway, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Patreon. Check us out Friendster, maybe. Anyway, we love you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. That sounds dirty. What about this? Can you hear me right now? Did you guys hear that? No, not at all. You didn't hear that? Didn't hear what? I heard you say, did you hear that? I wasn't paying attention.